Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. Hey, how you going? Joining us this week is co-host of the Supercoach Swordplay podcast and also one of the two minds behind Third Man Up. It's Janeth Fernando. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks for inviting me on, Damo. Thanks, Clarky. Um, looking forward to this one. You've obviously got a great Supercoach pedigree and lots of great f- philosophies around how to manage a team. But one thing that interests me is your tweets about the AFL equivalent of a triple-double. Um, can you explain what that means firstly for those who don't watch basketball and then how it would look in the AFL? That's that's a great question. And I think um, it was definitely basketball inspired. So for those that do watch basketball, any any sort of formation of 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 10 steals, 10 blocks, any three of those categories, you get a triple-double. So I'm like, why not let's apply this to the AFL? So we're we're sort of gone with 20 disposals as, as a standalone category, either 10 tackles or 10 marks as another category, and then 10 contested possessions or clearances or six goals or, or five goals as, an, as another category. And we saw a couple of weeks ago in the Brisbane-Carlton game that Josh Dunkley got it quite an elusive quadruple double with, Ooh. I think it was like 29 disposals, 10 marks, 11 tackles. So he got both those categories there. And then he also had a ridiculous number of contested possessions as well. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant there. But I've been tinkering. I've been happy with how the triple-doubles have been tracking along, but it, it looks as we get into the winter months, we might see a bit more of those tackle numbers go up. Yeah, I've been I've been watching um, it closely on your Twitter account. So those who want to see what Janeth is talking about, you can head over to his Twitter. Um, we'll link that in the post on the website. He's been tracking it, and um, it's it's really quite interesting to see the players that have gotten really close, the players that have that that, that have done it, um, and the players that were like one possession off getting getting it, one tackle off getting it. Like the players that have missed out by two stats. Like it's really interesting watching you track it, and um, it's a really interesting co- concept. I, it's it's something that I hadn't really thought of before. Cheers for that, Damon. It's, yeah. It's just a fun way to just watch the game along, just as you would with any super coach game, really. Any super coach play in your team. Lots of questions to get into, and Clarky, we're starting at your Melbourne because no. of the Clayton Oliver news. No, <laughs> I don't need that kind of negativity. He's he's basically not dead until he's dead. <laughs> well. They're not putting a timeline on it, and there's pictures of him going pretty hard at training this week. So he's ruled out of this weekend, but apart from that, there's no real timeline on it, which is which is frustrating people. And Adrian Johnson wants to know who are the best Clayton Oliver replacements. Um, he's probably he looks like he's weighing up Caleb Sarong and Lockie Neal. He wants to know if Sarong's the real deal or has Lockie Neal found form and. Um, We've we've talked about Sarong before, and I think yeah, Damo, like to, fair to summarize, and uh, Jonathan, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on this, but I think we're we're pretty happy saying, look, Sarong's going to be decent for you, but there's no historical data to suggest that this will maintain for the rest of the season. But yeah. you're sort of paying up for a guy who is performing well at the moment. Yeah, totally agree, and um. Just something that just came out a bit recently is that Sarong's tr- uh, carrying um, an ankle issue that oh, he sustained God. against the Cats. So he's on light training duties 
with that in mind is by next week. I just can't bring myself to bring him in if I was in Adrian's position there. Uh, in terms of... Go on, Damo. No, no sorry. I was going to say, um, seems very Frio, Damo. Damo, what's what's going on at Frio at the moment of having these injuries that people are just seeming to play through? I think it's... I think they're just teaching the players resilience. <laughs> They've and 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 it's and it sounds so it's it it's it sounds like a swipe at other teams, but for for a long time, a player would get a knock and miss a week. A player would 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 have some kind of niggle and they would miss a week just to get them right. But I think I think they're trying to build kind a bit of a, a bit of toughness to the, to, to the players because they because they're, they're young. They've had a few seasons under their belts now, and they're all growing together so they kind of want them to continue to come up in the same team and and you know winning the same contests or and playing in the same system all for um for as long as they can so i think i don't think that the ankle is going to be a big issue to be completely honest but um yeah it's it was brayshaw with that knee early in the season and now it's Sarong with this ankle now but the buy is coming up they've got the first i think they've got the first buy as well so um it's going to be He's he's essentially going to get a week off, and after that, it might be fine. And historically, Sarong actually does okay after the buys, but because of his early season form, is it going to be a bit of a flip this time around? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think as far as the question goes, best Clayton Oliver replacement, Lockie Neal, I think probably has to be the number one. Obviously, consider consider your buy structure. I'll put the put the asterisk at the start, but I think he's. He's probably the most well-priced replacement, I think, for a guy who has a ceiling of, you know, like realistically, a ceiling of 180 on his best day. <laughs> like, you know, you're paying for a guy who at the moment who has pumped out mostly hundreds this year. So why not go all the way down, bank that money? And if you're going to if you're gonna be trading Clary, I think he's kind of number one with a bullet. Lucky Neal's safe floor, high ceiling. He's probably at he's probably at a price where it's going to be the lowest he's going to he's going to be for a while. So, um, I think I his buy. Yeah, I, was his, say, I guess. Sorry, go on, Damo. I think Janeth, I'll, I'll actually pass to you, but I think I yeah. think his buy is probably is a bit of a tricky one. Yeah, I was, I was sorry. I was just about to say that. Um, um, that the fact is, is that if you're looking for Clayton Oliver replacement and if you just want to keep the buyers the same, you could just look at a at a round fourteen play like a Sack Merritt or Rory Laird, who's if if I don't know many teams that starred Clayton Oliver and Rory Laird. So perhaps you could bank a sixty K Clark, I see you waving there. Yeah, sorry. Man. <laughs> I forgot it's an audio medium for a second. Like, who would start Rory Laird and Clayton <laughs> Oliver? Hmm. Oh. Seems but, seems like a bad decision in hindsight. But I mean, right now you've got Laird already, so you can you could be looking elsewhere. Um, but Sack Merritt, Rory Laird, both great options. I think the concern which I've had this year, sort of with Lockie Neal, is the fact that Brisbane don't seem to be playing slow at all, and it's really stunting his ability to rack up the possessions he's had in previous years. Which I know, Damo, from your as a Frio support, you'd remember when he first came out and he just keeps racking up the pill, goes to Brisbane, racks up more for the pill, and then they've sort of just changed the game, so I'll just go ahead at all costs. 
Do you have anything on that? Yeah, I mean, he he he, he was always in the shadow of Nat Fife when he was at Brio. So we never saw his best form come out, but he's always been one of those players that can find the ball wherever it is, can can use it fairly well, and then he's got his safe floor and then his high ceiling and 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 will and will will a team up to the, the win if, if if he needs to. But with Josh Dunkley joining Brisbane, he has kind of taken a back seat again and um now he's returning to that sort of Super coach form that he had when when Fife was the main man in the in the middle at Fremantle. Yeah, probably worth noting that he definitely plays worse away from the Gabba as well, which seems to be a theme with a lot of Brisbane players. But and I think I think we might have mentioned this last week, but on the run home, they play almost every game at the Gabba bar. I think there's five or six, so. I think even then you could go with that safe floor, bank that money. And then if you're trading around Clayton Oliver, and that's, that's probably the other elephant in the room where it's, if you're trading Clayton Oliver out now, are you planning to bring him back in? And I, and and I guess, I guess we need to decide, should you trade Clayton Oliver in the first place? If it's going to be a one week injury, which it's really frustrating that there's no information. I think it makes sense to hold. Because bringing in anyone, as Janeth, as you said, bringing in someone else who has a different buy, so literally, you know, that rules out anyone from, is it Frio, Brisbane, Sydney, and Saints So that for that first round. So that changes your balance there. And even if you go into like the 14-15 the buy seems to be, I would say, the most difficult ones to navigate. So you trying to find your structure again around that and then have to also bring in Clayton Oliver, who even in an injured game scored 120 and then say he doesn't play this week. There's, if that's what he does in an injured game, like that man can rack up points with his arm tied behind his back or falling off. Yeah. And just to add to what you were saying, Clark, you Clayton Oliver is... So we got best 18 from next week onwards. So... I know that it's sort of been floated around that the fact is you could sort of hide him on your bench if you've got adequate bench cover to get him through the buys. And I think he's already lost 10 to 12% ownership just this week, even before teams have been announced. So by the time he comes back, whether it's one week, two weeks, three weeks, Simon Goodwin's quote early this morning saying that we'll build him through the process. We'll give him every chance in the next few weeks, but we're going to be very cautious. It's like, it could be anything, really. So he could even just be not a not a pod in terms of five percent ownership, but for Clayton Oliver, it's probably going to be at a at a percentage owned that's going to be much lower than what we normally see with him. And just to add on to that, and all the replacements that we've been weighing up, Supercoach Bull wants to know how we rank Zach Butters, Christian Petrarca, and Sam Walsh as um, Clary replacements. Revealed today that Sam Walsh might not actually be getting DPP anymore because he's slipped under the threshold. Yeah, put put that one in the bin uh, for now. Don't trade in. Don't trade in a Clary replacement as well as somebody who you're going to move to your forward line because you could already just sort of be doing that and bring in, say, an up and coming forward. Like you know, trade in your move your Canelio, move your you know Golden, whoever it is. I think it doesn't make sense to in the long term to do that you need a kind of a like for like primo um 
I know Supercoach Bull is actually really good at managing his team and giving advice oh, yeah. out, but one thing that worries me about Zach Butters and everyone jumping on Zach Butters is the score that he scored last Friday night is has already happened, and it feels like people are kind of seeing that score and going, I need that guy in my team, but that score hasn't contributed to your team, and it's not point chasing because he's going to be a good selection, but it feels like because of the points that he scored, there's kind of like a lasting effect where people are not wanting to miss out on the next one that he, that, that, that happens. And he's the kind of player to now he's had that big game to probably have a couple of nineties in a row and then, and then not quite get there again and then have another run where he scores maybe 110 or averages 110 or thereabouts, which is probably not that bad in, 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 in like the long run, but I feel like this big score last Friday night has sort of put him front and center on people's radars. And I don't really want to call it, call it point chasing because it's because, because it's not, but it kind of feels like it is at the same time. Thinking about Zach Butters and this is coming from somebody who owned him last year and was very bitterly disappointed um, just because the role wasn't there for him. And it seems like, this, this was the best case scenario for him. So at the moment, he's running through the mid. He's one of their main ball users. He's someone who they're relying on to make those big plays and, you know, have those big clearance, like the big clearances, especially in that close Melbourne game. And like, you know, don't get me wrong, like my absolutely gutted about the result because holy crap, that last throw in like went <laughs> as far away as possible from the Melbourne. Anyway, that's, that's beside the point, but Port Adelaide are playing well and Zach Butt is playing like that core mid position is not playing, you know, some weird sort of wing or half forward kind of hybrid role. I would probably say this is the week to get him. If you're going to swap for Clayton Oliver, this is the week because Zach Butt is break even of 33. He's currently 620. So that's, Super expensive. Last three scores are all over 100. So 180, that 184, 139 against North. Yep, okay, that makes sense. 125 against Essendon, who, you know, despite the memeiness of it, Essendon aren't really a pushover team. Um, if everything goes right for Essendon on their day, they can be really scary. A 96 against St. Kilda, 146 against the Bulldogs, a 101 against Brisbane in round one as well. So those, those are some half decent teams most of them that he's scoring well against so it's hard to make an argument against that being a really good like for like and i'd probably say as from a melbourne fan perspective on christian petrarca he's definitely someone who gets the job done but i'm not sure that i'd be buying at his price mm-hmm. 658 for christian petrarca is well over he will have moments where he is, and and it's because he's brilliant. He's a brilliant footballer. I love him to bits, but he'll have these moments where he pulls out these big games, but then he kind of it, it rains itself back in because that's not quite the role he needed to have that game. And I'd wager that a lot of the responsibility that Clayton Oliver is supposed to have is going to be split between like Angus Brayshaw, Jack Viney. Tom Sparrow will probably come back in after his suspension because I believe it was only one week. Was it two weeks? Yes. One week? Yeah. So week. Yep. James Jordan as well. Luke Dunstan's sort of waiting in the wings as 
somebody who we have for that mid depth. So I'd probably say that the Clayton Oliver stuff doesn't get like it doesn't automatically mean that Christian Petrarca is going to be successful and he's going to score big. There's, he absolutely could, but it's no different to how he could score well on any other week where it's some games he's just going to be on and that's that's the week where it's, you know, the 140s, the 160s. And his really big scores, to be quite honest, have only come against bad teams, North and Hawthorne. Everything else was a 122 against Gold Coast is kind of an anomaly, but 110 against Essendon, 104 against Richmond, 103 against Port Adelaide, you know? I think um, I'd probably be out of those three Supercoach Bull. I'd be buying Zach Butters. Wow. Janeth, where, where, where do you sit on this? Yeah. I was going to go the other way, actually. So um, <laughs> with Zach Butters, he's, he's in his first seven games, he had two tons, and one of them was barely a ton in round one against Brisbane. I mean... You raised some great points there, Clarky, about who his tons have come up, who his tons have come against, and he like that. The actual environment, the the weather was the type of game that Sack Butters loves. I remember I was at Gather Round in Round Five for the Bulldogs game, where he kicked the match winning goal, and it was the exact same weather that we got in the Melbourne game. So it's just it's just the classic Sack Butters game at the price six twenty one k. Like you said, um, Dame, I just can't bring myself to bring in a forward for Clayton Oliver. I would just rather bring in a, an underpriced mid-premium, even like a Jack Steele, a Rory Laird, Sack Merritt, because those are the kind of guys that you're just like-for-like like replacements and you can bank some cash. You only make 30-odd K from Sack Butters. Christian Petrarca is really interesting, um, and I'd actually have him first out of these three just for the fact that this might be the last time unless Petrarca drops an 80-odd score that we could get him in his run home um, as a D supporter, Clarky, what do you, how many wins do you feel out of these last six games? Adelaide at the G, Richmond at the G, North at Blundstone, Carlton at the G, Hawthorne at the G, Sydney at the SCG. He averages 122 in wins. He's going to be a nasty anti-pod to have in the run home, don't you think? Uh, as... as... As a Melbourne supporter, even a 2021 Premiership has not beaten the the sheer misery that is me expecting to lose. I'm tra- I'm going to the Frio game this week, and I'm yeah. traumatised from the last time we played them, and I went and some Frio supporters tried to give it to me while I sat in the front row. I'm like, oh, mate. Like, yeah, look, the run home is good for us, and I think I just... It still feels like he's well over, though. Like yes. six fifty yeah. is way too high to be buying. Yeah. No matter, no matter the points he can score for me. Um, but I do agree with you. I think it, there's there's absolutely the the argument to be made yeah. that you know he's not gonna he's not gonna do he's not gonna give you some poo scores. Like I don't think he's gonna absolutely stink it up. So you could do worse. I'd probably I think it's interesting that you meant, mentioned Jack Steele. Because I think that's probably a bit too far in the other direction for me, but still really interesting. I think I think if you're doing it, you probably want to find a pocket of value. Um, yeah. Zach Merritt is probably num like you know in the top three of choices. I think for me, if I was to add on to what I was saying before, so I'd have Petrarca. Well, the options aren't overly great to pick from because <laughs> if you were asking me for Clay Noll replacement. Straight up, I wouldn't say any of these guys. But out yeah. of these three, 
there's no value in Petrarch and there's no value in Butters, but just on one-to-one, I'd go Petrarch over Butters. And with Sam Walsh, I'm not sure if um, some of the viewers may have seen, but I put up a third man up post um, earlier today, um, Wednesday, which showed that Sam Walsh had 96% time midfield in round 11, which really jeopardizes his chance to get forward DPP needs now 41% time forward against Sydney um, this week to get it. Even still, if he if he gets DPP, he probably becomes the most attractive out of those three, but with just so much uncertainty around that it's it's going to be a bit hard to trade him in just for that. Um, I'm not sure what bull situation is, but I know quite a few of us are struggling on that round 15 buy. And with Sack Butters and Sam while sharing that, that might just be another thing to put this sort of question verdict in Petrarca's direction. It is a great question, though. Um, so, yeah, Supercoach Ball is, yeah, he's really wonderful out Legend. in the Twitter community as well. Yeah. So, yeah. thanks for the question, man. Let's move away from Clayton Oliver. We've spoken enough about him. We've given people some options. And oh, thank God. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's move to something left field now. Corey wants to know who we think the best Adam Saad replacements are under 611k for any line. So best player under 611 is what I'm hearing. Rory Laird. I was yeah, He's, I could I can get around that. He is not going to get cheaper than this. That's just my Honest opinion as an owner, no bias involved. Yeah. But <laughs> imagine buying Rory Laird for seven hundred k. Couldn't be me. Imagine, hey? <laughs> imagine owning him from the start and having everybody go. This is why you don't spend seven hundred k, and then going. No, I'm going to stick this out to the. It's coming good, guys. Did you did you captain him in round one as well? I did. I oh, did. That was yeah. what a nightmare. I I did I did as well, and I regret it. Ever since, but in in <laughs> Rory Laird, even he's been injured and scoring better than he did at the start of the year. So is whatever's going on with his calf. So this is this is the time to buy. But we've already spoken about Lockie Neal, so I won't go back there again. Um, James Sicily, he's probably yeah. as cheap as he's going to get, right, guys? Like five fifty four. I think I'd be buying. I'd be buying as well because he's a defender. So that kind of solves the Sard-shaped hole in your defense line. Andy Brayshaw, Damo, is he back? It seems like it. It definitely seems like it. He he, he was broken. And then broke out. And then then he he came back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... um... I do like Andy Brayshaw and just with Clarkey, James Sisley, again, another one of those guys that may not be cheaper than he is. 49 break even, even on after the game when he was in feed, he said that he's playing a, a loose man role now, which just screams he's going to go 110 plus from here. Great matchup against St. Kilda this week. He's could really reward owners from the offset. How much is Saad averaging? What's he doing? We've got some fun weekend dad options in here. Scott Pendlebury. Darcy Moore. Buy Darcy Moore stonks right now. I I wanted to do it last week, and I should have. I brought in Lockie Neal uh, over the many other options that I had, but my heart in the most traitorous way possible was like, Darcy Moore, he said a swear on TV. He's one of your new favorite players. 
I like I I like the Darcy Moore pick. I just don't know if he's any more reliable than 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 Adam Saad. Yes, he's having a great run of form, but how long will he sustain it for is the next question. Because Adam Saad could have that sustained run of form later in the season, and then they could both average about the same amount. So I don't know if it's a if it's a clear upgrade. Yes, Darcy Moore's got that form at the moment, but will that form continue? It's it's hard to say, especially considering Jeremy Howe is not that far from returning to the Collingwood side. I think it's fair to say that I currently have a motto: um, get while the getting's good. <laughs> why not? <laughs> you you stuck with Adam Saad this long, so why not? And, and Dame, I'm sure you can agree that sometimes it's just nice to have a player you enjoy watching. Yeah, and then the player gets knocked out and you have to trade them because because uh, you've got no cover on your bench. Oh, no. Yeah, that's great. Um, anyway, we won't talk about that for much longer. <laughs> what about Jack What about Jack McRae? He's going to get... F- he's probably going to get DPP. Guaranteed. Um, and his own... And to be honest, pretty safe floor. Yeah, don't don't mind don't mind the pick. It's just classic Bevo playing forward, and then he's hopefully we hopefully we see a bit of a role change. I'm a bit interested to see how Adam Trelaw coming back impacts him because when Trelaw was in the team, he was getting bulk CBAs. Like it was that's an old man right there, and he he was just getting used in the. He had a season percentage sixty eight percent CBAs on average when he was in there. Um, when he was playing, Jack McRae had twenty percent CBAs against Adelaide and still pumped out of one forty-five. That's pretty, oh. pretty good. That's some and real. Those are some real sexy numbers. That's crazy. He does love a game of Ballarat. To be fair. Anyway, Corey. Hopefully, we've given you some options to consider. Let's talk rookies. Oh no! Do we have to? <laughs> we can. <laughs> Um, actually, we've got some questions about it, so so we have to. Okay, yeah. Uh, Smart Swans wants to know: Do you bring in Cameron Fleeton after his back-to-back forties, or do you go early on a George Wardlaw or Eddie Ford? And I suppose I'll rope in the other question that's after this as well: Is it safe to go early on George Wardlaw? It is absolutely not safe. <laughs> that one's easy. There is no guarantees. <laughs> It's not safe, but he looked good. He did. He yeah. looked real good against the Swans. He looked like a young Clayton Oliver, the way he attacked Ooh. the ball. How was he? He looked a jet. The North, just a side note, apart from the super coach, but that North midfield, if they can keep Phillips, Sheasel, Wardlaw together, grow them together, that's gonna be that's gonna be a good midfield going forward. Tom Tom Powell in there as well. Yep. I this week's I said it last week and I didn't think it could get any worse. And then it got worse because this week sucks for rookies again. Um Fleeton, yeah, sure, he's scoring forties. And I think the question also has to be asked as well, like, are you fielding them? If you're fielding them, then absolutely not unless you absolutely have to um i just yeah i i don't really enjoy going early 
on a rookie, particularly at North, because, like, at the moment, everything's up in the air again, right? Like, Alistair Clarkson is taking a leave of absence, so they've got um, rats in charge, and then it's like, okay, cool. Well, whatever we're doing before isn't working anyway, so do we just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks? And is there going to be a guarantee that the week after they're going to go, oh, well, you know, we've got, you know, God, who have they even got waiting in the wings? Like Greenwood. Oh, I guess we'll just give him some more, you know, some more midfield time. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like that's the thing. It's chaotic because <laughs> like they're at the point where they've just like, okay, we've got to find our voice and how like our brand and then build from there. And we're just going to have to keep trying until we do. I don't think it's I don't think it's any less risky to go early on George Wardlaw as it would be to wait a week and go next week, but I've been burnt going early on a North rookie. So I don't want to do it again because the roles can change from week to week as they find their best mix. I don't want to go early on Eddie Ford. I don't want to go early on George Wardlaw. So of those three guys that Smart Swans mentioned, I actually don't mind Cameron Fleeton, especially with Nick Haynes out with for for a week, and there's a bunch of it, and there's also Josh Kelly out as well. So yeah. you could so and um, someone else and 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 Himmelberg as as well. So we could yeah. see Fleeton used in a in basically as that interceptor in in the, in that backline for um, the Giants. And he played that role really well in the VFL. So the, from what I'd heard, the standouts that are for the Giants VFL, this team have been um, this year have been Josh Fahey, um, who hopefully we get a debut from him soon because he he's going to be a good player. And then mm. Cam Fleeton. So as an intercepting defender, I think that... I guess the question I'd pose back to you guys is, we aren't really... Like, personally, my situation, I think get general rule of thumb is we don't make trades in the first week of the buys. So, yes, it is risky to go Wardlaw this week, but if we're not going to make any trades next week, we might just miss out on Wardlaw altogether if we don't go this week. So what do you guys reckon about that? I still... I. I agree. I don't usually trade in the first week of the buys because because who are you trading in? Someone who's going to have a buy in, in the next week or the week after. But I think in a rookie situation like Wardlaw, I don't think it's that much of an issue just purely because by the end of the buys, your team should mostly be finished and Wardlaw won't be on your field by the end of it. So it's kind of like short-term pain for long-term gain. But but I but 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 I I but I I do get it. Going early on George Wardlaw after the way he looked against the Swans. Personally, I'm not going to. But I I I can see why I people want to, and I can get it when people bring him in. Especially if they have to field Wardlaw. So if you're if you're holding Clary and you trade a I don't know Lockie Cowan to Wardlaw to get Wardlaw's points on field in place of Clary that is justifiable even though it's risky it's at least you don't have to burn a trade to bring clary back in yeah um other options i think probably worth mentioning ollie lord he's only at 184 so he has had a price rise 
but he's scoring in the fifty range, fifties range, where he could seem to be like a bit of a slow burn. Um, and he's been playing well. Like I don't think that he's necessarily. I'm not much of a port man, so take that with a grain of salt. But also Harry Sharp, um, pending teams this week. Um, if Daniel Rich coming back will affect him at all. Um, that's probably to just to consider as well. But yeah, I think you guys are probably right. I think it, it, it depends on what you're doing this week, but justifiably, if you're looking for the points on field, you know, you've got to just make the best of whatever situation that you're in. Kane Baldwin, perhaps as a, as a semi intercept and defender for Essendon by shaky job security without Josh Kelly and Jaden Laverde there. I I have so Jaden Laverde has been listed as a test on Essendon's injury list, so that already gives me alarm bells. Um, meaning that either Kane Baldwin will move forward back to where he was originally drafted, or he will get dropped out of the team again because the position is yeah. not there for him, despite how well he's been performing. Can't disagree with you there, Damo. I guess something, sorry, it's just as a side note that came up a bit on our potty, the Supercoach Swordplay potty, is it, is it too late to go a Humphrey, a Humphrey type, Weddle, these types that just keep, seem to be making money, but are just inflated in price race over the last couple of weeks? I couldn't go Humphrey last week, but I have gone Humphrey this week because I need some of that cash to start generating in my team. By the end of the buys, he won't be on my field, so I can hold him as cover if I need to. But I think I don't think it's too I don't think it's too late to go for a Humphrey or a, or a Weddle. Um, it's just a matter of do you really want to pay that price for for these guys? Because you're now kind of looking at them as instead of rookie options as mid price stepping stones, given where their price is at. Weddle's still being two thirty is probably the best bet if you want to go someone who's a little bit more expensive. Um, I'd probably say Atkins as well in that bracket, who another another 102, um, which is, oh man, it feels good when it, when it pays off, doesn't it, guys? It feels so good when it pays off. Um, Humphrey at 285 and Atkins at 290 might be a little bit difficult to get to. So I'd probably say Weddle is the most realistic um, even a Seamus Mitchell at 260, they seem oh, to be getting the minutes. Much. And he, yeah, it's that's probably right. It's probably right on the line of mm. you'd have to ride him. You have to hope he's going to the moon. And holy crap, Seamus Mitchell, though, he's a player. Good player. Wait for team selection. But if you don't have Matthew Johnson, he's someone else who you could have a look at. Because he scored 37 in what, less than a quarter of football against Geelong. So he, he he knows how to find it. He just needs a full game. He just needs to get back into that 22 again. And to be honest, I want him in that 22. There are players in that Dockers 22 who I don't want in there at the moment, Just, but I won't name names. Um, we'll, we'll move on to a question that we don't usually answer these types of questions, but I... Um, Clarky, we had Mini Monk on a few weeks ago, and he we did, and, and and he raised a good point about this. So Fraser Kenny wants to know how many trades do we have left, and Mini Monk raised a good point, and I can't remember if it was on the podcast or off air, but he said the amount of trades that you have that you have left doesn't matter. It's it's how your team looks, 
and how far away you are from a complete team that, that matters more. So some people might have 20 trades left but and be nowhere near a complete and be and be nowhere near a complete team. So they've used 16 trades to do what? And then there are other tra- people out there who have have 12, 14 trades left and only have two or three rookies left on the field. So I don't think the amount of trades you have left is like important. Um, it's just how have you been using those trades and have, has each of your trades been a way that's been moving your team forward? And if the answer is no, then you probably need to work, then you probably need to plan your trades a bit better. If the answer is yes, then you don't really need help with um, with your trading. Um, I will say that I have 13 trades left and three rookies left on field. So I feel like I'm in a, in a pretty good position. I've, I got decimated with injuries early, so I've used more than I wanted to, but my team is still rebounded to a pretty good position. Yeah, I guess if I was to jump in here, Damo, so just to add on to what Mini Monk was saying, sometimes it's not as much about how many trades you have left because you could have gone hard early and you look at your team and you've got players like Will Day, Will Powell, some of these types that at the time they were looking like keepers, but you're, you're a bit hesitant here or there, whereas other teams have gone a bit slower, but they're, they've really got players that, okay, they're, they're close to best six to eight on their line and I'm, I'm happy to keep them for the rest of the year and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about them in a head-to-head matchup come the end of the Insu Perch Finals. Um, for context, I've got 14 trades left um, with four rookies, but um, a couple of those rookies are Will Ashcroft, Asaba, Samson Ryan, Humphrey types that have cash tied up to them. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about having to use three trades to move three of them up to get a Swordman Uber Premium uh, per se. I think, as a, as a side note, but before I reveal my own shame, um, Will Ashcroft. I don't think he's a rookie anymore. I would say he's borderline either mid-price or primo. Because that kid... Now, like, if you held on... Like, I know there was a couple weeks ago where he had that really bad week. He scored, like, a 30-odd. And everyone was... Everybody jumped off. Everybody abandoned ship. But that kid can play football. Like, 124 this week. And... Oh... Like hey, it's uh, it's weird that everybody said he could play football and then he continued to play good football. <laughs> I think the thing that people glossed over when they traded him out was even though he only got a 37 against Carlton, he still made money and he hasn't lost money yet. He hasn't had to dip to the, to then go back up again. And he's now completely reset his break even by those two scores against Essendon and Gold Coast. So he's He's going for another round. He's he's he could make another hundred k here. Yeah, between him and Sheasel, yeah. I think if you have had them, just take a moment. Like we talk a lot about, like the doom and gloom of like injury trades and how many trades you got left and get to full primo. But for those people, like if if you've got an Ashcroft or if you've just held onto a Sheasel, you started like take a moment to remember that we're eleven rounds in, and not every decision that you've made has been a bad one. Like regardless of how it looked at the start or how it looks now, I started Rory Laird and Clayton Oliver and Rory Laird was the most expensive player in Supercoach and he started off like poo. And now 
he's back to his scoring self because I suck it out. And, you know, I'm happy that I did that. Like, just, it's a little reminder for your own, your own sanity. Just take a moment and look at your team and go, I've done some good things. Like, it hasn't always worked out, but I've done some good things. Anyway, I've got 14 trades left. <laughs> and I feel like I'm going insane because I can't, I keep on looking at it and I'm like, how do I make this better? Like, it's, I, um, but I've got, yeah. So on the back of that, that's, I've got 14 left and I've got, I would say, including Clayton Oliver, who I'm not trading is my in my current plans. I think I'm going to hold him because, to be honest, I don't want to go through the stress of spending the trade. Um, I've got three on-field rookie spots, but that include... That's like a, an Atkins, a Wilmot, and a Seamus Mitchell. Um, but that also includes me keeping guys like Ashcroft and Sheasel, who mm. I don't think we can trade out if they're scoring over 100. Like... You know, at the moment, Sheasel and Ashcroft are kind of outscoring Jordan Dawson the last couple of weeks. Like, just to test it on Ashcroft, he averages a hundred point eight at the Gabba. Like, I mean, if he he's got six more games there, like we talked with Lockie Neal before, can we just can we just keep pumping out these tons of the Gabba, mate? It'd be nice. That's it. It, it would be nice. To be honest, Will Ashcroft feels like James Jordan from a few years ago. It feels like Oh, Jimmy J, yes. And, and 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 he was a rookie that I regretfully missed because I was like, where does he fit in the Melbourne scheme? Apparently he fits everywhere because he's a great player, but I I I missed out on him, but he was scoring eighties, nineties, he cracked the tons a few weeks. He was just he was just a solid scorer, and most people were able to keep him all year long and had him cover through the buys and I regretted passing on him. I didn't even corrective trade to him because I was like, yeah, he's going to get dumped soon. He's going to get dumped soon. And um, that's what Will Ashcroft, that's what Will Ashcroft feels like as far as scoring is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Who's our vice captain and captain this week, boys? Oh, asking me the hard questions this week. Uh, look, I don't think Goulden has been playing well. Didn't crack a big score last week, but if you want a riskier one, I would say go with Golden. But it depends on who you're looping with. Um, not a lot of great loop options in the back end of the round, um, pending on teams, though. Uh, so I'd say you're probably either, if you are looping using a Madden, then you've only got Petrarca, I would say, against Frio. Could be worth looking into. Sarong and Brayshaw. If you own him, Sicily against St. Kilda. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably just good stonks because Sicily's playing a loose role and St. Kilda love just booting it into the forward line and letting one of their tools try to grab it. So Max King's back. <laughs> yeah. I like Jack Steele against the Hawks. Um, I think he's going he's gonna to be real, real popular vice-captaincy option, and he had a really good game against the Giants last Sunday, so I think he's now getting back into the form that we expected when we bought him at what we thought was his lowest price a few weeks ago. Um, and then um, my captain, I, I don't like captain in the last game of the round, but I do like Rory Laird against against the Lions. At Adelaide Oval as well, which yep. is always plus points to Adelaide Crows. Um, 
Zach Barrett against West Coast Eagles. I think he gets tagged. I get yeah. Davy O'Neill Zach- went to Will Day around the ground, and um, we saw that it nullified his influence. And I think Zach Merritt doesn't do his best work at clearance. So Xavier O'Neill's not going to go, sorry, at centre bounce appearance. He's not going to come to the centre bounce appearance, but around the ground, I think he will track him. And Zach Merritt really spreads well from contest. So that might be, it will really limit his ceiling. He should still have a safe floor against West Coast, obviously. But um, for that reason, I think it's just going to sh- um, side on caution with Merritt. I think Jack Sinclair's a really good shout against Hawthorne. Um, yep. Coming off a, a really good game against GWS, 160 points. Don't obviously don't think he he'll go that high again because it's a bit hard to predict those really high scores. But I don't see how Hawthorne can stop him um, because they don't really do forward tags or yeah. Connor Nash isn't the real Connor Nash really isn't the type of guy to go to a Jack Sinclair. Might go to a Jack Steele if he gets off the chain. Um, and then I might fall back on either Rory Laird. In the last game of the round, good record against Brisbane at Adelaide Oval. Um, well, even the Bont, I think with the way uh, up at TIO Stadium, going to be hot, hot weather game, ball's going to be like a bar of soap, so it'll be really a bit high contested possessions, might be a bit more tackles, which would play in his favour. See, I think Bont and Laird are good fallback options in that case. Yeah. What, what about Nick Dacos against North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium? Do we do we consider that to be an option to fall back on? Probably. It makes sense. But you could probably pick, you know, any of the big core mids, I think, at Collingwood if you have them. The 10 people that own Josh Dacos, maybe, it's the, maybe this is your <laughs> week. Um, I'd probably like to say, on your point about the Suns Bulldogs at TIO, um, if you think tackle counts are going to be high, Matt Rao loves to tackle. It could loves be could be a big week for him. Um, and I'd probably say on purely vibes as well. Uh, I don't know if either of you have any feelings about this, but uh, Richmond doing it for doing it for <laughs> Damien, do it for Dimmer. Um, Taranto have a big one. Why not? Why not? Could go Plenty. the other way. Could. Could yeah. sack butters, Connor Rosie on, on yeah, Richmond. Hold them for Hinckley or do it <laughs> <Yeah>. for Dimmer. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, can I just add one final thing in Demo? I think my favourite VC option of anyone is Caleb Sarong against Melbourne. I know, Clark, you mentioned it before, but mids are just going huge on Melbourne. It's just, have no idea where this has come from, but must be the James last Arms couple of weeks. Missing. So. <laughs> James Arms not playing. <laughs> Is pretty much because yeah. James Harms is the guy, um, he and he's not currently in the team. And I don't think that's necessarily because he's bad. I just think Melbourne have been maybe relying a lot on our system, which has caused some other problems. But you're, you're absolutely correct. I think Jack Viney is the hard nut guy at the moment, but he's also been focusing well enough on just doing what he does instead of going and giving guys a hard time as he used to. All right, that's all the questions for today. Jana, thank you for joining in on the mailbag. No worries. Thanks so much, Damo. It's been great to have you on. Where can people find you? Uh, So you can contact me through Twitter at JanethFernando4 um, and also the page that we run 
mainly based on Supercoach data. So I put out a we put out a rookie um, cheat sheet, um, a bit similar to you guys. We go into a bit of sort of venue data and um, opposition data as well to sort of really avoid the rookie rule that, that comes about on a week-to-week basis. So you can check that out at um, at uh, third uh, sorry, at third underscore man up. Um, and so we'll be bringing Supercoach data on a week-to-week basis to, to help inform some decisions. And Clarkie, thank you again for being here. Always a pleasure, mate. If you have a question you'd like answered on the next episode, all you have to do is tag your question with Jock Mailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com. We'll talk next time. Go Dees. Thank you. Go Blues.